0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. we am thrilled today to have back with us Chris Palmari. Chris is the CEO and President of the Commonwealth Care Alliance, founded in Massachusetts, a fascinating care-providing organization. It's a parent company, is a not-for-profit, and just uh, you know, working to provide care and services to a lot of the underprivileged, a lot of the impoverished, and, and what a journey through this COVID pandemic. Chris, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the Commonwealth Care Alliance?
1: Yeah, thanks again, Scott. So I'm Chris Palmieri. I'm the president and CEO at Commonwealth Care Alliance. Uh, We are Massachusetts based and we are a nonprofit community based both payer as well as provider. We serve uh, customers that have significant medical behavioral health and social needs as well as chronically ill aging seniors. We, um, we, we are an integrated care system and the way that we uh, serve people is through our model of care which uh, is, has been very effective in addressing both unmet social determinants of health as well as individuals' behavioral health and medical needs. And certainly we, we, we believe that when we uh, come in contact with a new consumer that we have the opportunity to make their lives better. And talk about what you do for people. What is the core of what commonwealth care does? Sure. So we, we, uh, for individuals that uh, in Massachusetts are covered by Medicaid, as well as our Medicare eligible, we provide them full health insurance, which includes coverage for their prescription drugs, all of their um, healthcare needs, as well as we are able to meet uh, their social determinant needs, things that range from uh, nutritious meals uh, to uh, providing them assistance with obtaining housing, transportation to healthcare appointments, um, safety modifications that would need to be made to make their home uh, livable for their conditions uh, and a variety of other things. And and of course, we are also addressing uh, both identified as well as unmet behavioral health needs that would become a barrier for an individual to lead the most healthy and independent life. And, And we're talking now at a period of time
0: when unemployment benefits on the federal side are starting to run down. The eviction moratorium or prohibition was going to end. Now, President Biden seems to want to extend it. How do some of those things play into the poverty that you see in your community and and, and the needs that you have?
1: No, well, clearly all of these things do play a factor. So, So it's critical for an individual, for any human, frankly, to have Reliable and stable housing, um, and that that is critical um, for an individual to be able to to even start to think about if they're going to make changes or access uh, healthcare in in any material way. Um, obviously, this pandemic has been uh, incredibly difficult uh, for individuals um, uh, to to access the types of healthcare services that they have they were accustomed to doing just over a year and a half ago, um, so we, we we definitely have seen some some significant uh, shifts in patterns. We've also seen that people have been able to remain eligible for public assistance and state Medicaid benefits, which has helped keep individuals continuously enrolled through this pandemic, which is great because then they can have great access to the health care services that we're able to provide them.
0: And, and- when you look at sort of the well let me ask you this question: this past year for what you do, it had to be probably the most trying and exhausting and exhilarating year of your life in terms of what you do and what you run. And obviously, that pales a good comparison to the stress on the families that you serve. But how do you keep yourself positive, optimistic, engaged when you see the sea of humanity struggling with challenges?
1: No, it's you know. So this is this is the third sort of crisis that I've seen in my 26-year professional career. I I was involved in the the post-9/11 um, response with an organization based in Brooklyn. Uh, I was involved in um, helping individuals uh, in parts of of Queens after Hurricane Sandy uh, impacted uh, New York City. And then certainly this is, you know, a, a global pandemic and really you never seen anything like this before. But, you know, for me, in terms of advancing our organization's mission, which is to improve the health and well-being of people with significant needs, um, you know, our commitment through COVID was to fulfill that mission. And we, as everyone did, we had an, an evolving Set of circumstances that we we needed to deal with, and and in the last conversation you and I had, we talked a lot about what we did to serve our consumers, and you know, in retrospect now, um, we were able to serve ninety one percent of our members by virtual care, and in two thousand and twenty, and just a year prior, most of our model was in person, doing that same care and and, and providing it in someone's. Someone's home setting. Um, we we touched over forty thousand people one and a half million times uh, during the pandemic. and And again, this is, this is to advance what we need to do. These are folks that we are their safety net. so so we didn't have the opportunity to sort of pull back. and And Chris, here's a question for you. What does that look like today? Are the needs?
0: I mean I talked to you in the heart of the pandemic, obviously, we're seeing some resurgence. But what does that look like today? What do the needs look like today? Are they as acute as they were then? Are they less acute? what are you What are you seeing? Are you serving less people more, et cetera?
1: well, we we certainly are are able to do more things in consumers' homes now. We have um, our workforce is vaccinated. We still uh, we have a good access to personal protective equipment where needed. Our members are vaccinated. So that allows us to be able to do more things. Um, back in the community and in their homes and allow and help those individuals to get out of their homes into critical access points where they would either receive healthcare in an office-based environment or in a social setting. At the same time, um, we're we're not as an organization going to just regress to where we were pre-pandemic. We learned a tremendous amount about the power of virtual care and we're able to get our, our members much more engaged with us than we ever have before. So what we're we've adopted a mixture of both types of ways to care for people, and have been supplementing our in-person care with a virtual care strategy. Again, to do, to not only address clinical and medical needs, but also behavioral health needs, and 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 loneliness and isolation, and a variety of the things that that we we have been challenged with all along, and are using just. Um, entirely new modalities of delivery, and, and that's something you know. Again, this pandemic has been uh, horrific for everybody, but I'm excited about what healthcare is going to look like in the future, because now you have organizations like CCA and others that are that are delivering healthcare in the way that the consumers will adopt and use it most. How do you manage your time between? Whether
0: fundraising, staffing, leading, how does a person like you who runs the community care Commonwealth care alliance how do you how do you what are your big priorities? How do you run what you do?
1: Well, I mean my focus has for my entire career to advance um, a model that does put the the consumer who is the patient or the insurance member at the center of their own universe. I have my own uh, brother has a physical disability and, and some mental illness. And I always think about developing a healthcare system that will serve him. And, and frankly, he's being served by a company that I created uh, 10 years ago. Um, and I think about how do you ultimately do that um, for every American that has these complexities? So number one on, on, on the forefront of my mind is how do I scale what CCA does in Massachusetts and bring it to many more states and that's exactly what we, we are now doing we're opening in Rhode Island this October, we have three other states that are. Um, that, that, that we have our sights on and hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement by the end of this year um, so i'm constantly thinking about scale. Uh, an expansion to to get more consumers on our platform. That's number one. Number two is I I want to continue to perfect the model for our consumers, which which I not only define as as the state and federal governments that that pay us, but the end user of our product, um, the the patient or the member. And how do we how do we create an environment that gives them the easiest access, the best services for what they need and do that in a way that meets the needs from their perspective and frankly, not mine. And the other, the other part of that customer is um, my employee base. And how do I make sure that the roles that we have, which can be very challenging roles, how are those roles that will fulfill an individual's desire to want to do the work that we ask them to do. And I'm and my, you can ask my, my employees, I'm obsessed with that and making, I want to be a great employer. I want people to be inspired um, every single day. And, you know, the third thing I would say is how, as an organization, are we able to lean in um, uh, to, to policymakers at the federal and state level? How are we able to help Uh, the consumers that don't qualify for our services. And and I mentioned the last time we spoke that we operated 800 community-based COVID treatment beds across the state of Massachusetts for people that were not CCA customers because they had nowhere to go to get healthcare other than the emergency room or an acute care bed, which was needed for a much higher level of care. We, um, We operated the state of Massachusetts's vaccination program for individuals that could not get to a mass vaccination site or their primary care provider. We did that statewide in every community in Massachusetts. That's still being offered, and you don't even need to be homebound anymore. You just call a number, and someone will come and vaccinate you if you want to get vaccinated. So I think the third thing is just, again, how do we advance the needs of the communities that we, that we serve, and frankly, the communities that I live in. So that's sort of how I, I divide my time, Scott.
0: Just uh, magnificent. I, I want to thank you, Chris, as always, for joining us. What a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you for sharing more about what Commonwealth Care Alliance does, and just terrific.
1: Thanks again for your interest, and it's been great to talk to your listeners. Take care.